Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I speak to bands about what they've got up to between going on tours, between making records. And today I'm squeezing in an episode with Norman Blake of Teenage Fan Club. They've just released a new track, I Left a Light On, and they're on tour across the UK and Europe over the next couple of weeks. So that's why I'm squeezing in an episode now. I've not edited it at all, which is the first for 101 part-time jobs. If there's any dodgy bits, I do apologize. All the same, it is Norman Blake, so who really minds? Cheers for listening to 101 part-time jobs. This is Norman Blake of Teenage Fan Club. Cheers. We watched it crash not at all. Thank you so much for, for doing this the morning after the Glasgow show. Oh, no problem at all. Now, James, would you mind if about, I make a bit of noise for about 30 seconds while uh, my, my fo- I'm staying at my folks' place here and they've got a bean-to-cup coffee machine <laughs> and uh, it makes a lot of noise. But if of you can course. bear with me for 30 seconds, I can get myself a coffee. Absolutely. Coffee Great. away. Okay, no, no worries. Uh, I'll just <laughs> a second here. And you, can, you can hear the, the, it's very, very loud. It is great coffee. <laughs> I'll say that, but it's um, here we go. It's the preparation there. And you'll hear the beans being ground any second. There you go. <laughs> Very good. Beans being ground. <laughs> Those blades sound quite sharp. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, sure. they get a lot of use, I tell you that. But, um, <laughs> hang on a second, there it goes. Whoa. Coffee being generated. Uh, and uh, yeah, look, it takes another 10, 15 seconds and we should be in good order. Is it a, uh, is it a button press? Is it going to do it for you? It does everything for you, yeah. You just kind of you dial in the strength of the coffee and the volume that you want, you know, and then it organizes it all for you. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah, really nice. Pretty good machine. Uh, something my folks invested in. So. Do you, is it an espresso that you're taking? What, is it a long black? No, it's, it's a long, yeah, it's a long black. Yeah, it's that one of those. Um, and it does espresso, though. It does, you know, you can, it does all sorts of stuff. It's got a frother yeah. and everything to it, so it's, it's a pretty sophisticated machine. But there we are. But now it's not going to stop. And there we are. And I've got my coffee. <laughs> Brilliant. All, all good. All good. How, how's the um, microphone from this end? I'm only using the phone mic. Is it okay? Absolutely fine enough. Oh, great. Definitely. Good stuff. Yeah. You know, I like making my coffee the night before, putting it in the fridge. Um, and then cold coffee is my favorite in the morning. Oh, that's that. I like it too, actually. Yeah, I could definitely go for that. It's like a splash um, of yeah. water in the face. Yeah, or you can't be. I tell you what, it's it's very important when you're on tour. I've actually um, I've got one. We've got a an espresso machine arriving this morning uh, here. I'm in charge of the tea and coffee on the tour, so I've invested in one of those so that we can always have at least a, a decent espresso when we're traveling around. Well, it's a communal um, experience, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, you've got to. I mean, it's, it's very important. We didn't have any at the venue yesterday, and I could tell that everyone was disappointed <laughs> or whatever. But, um, but yeah, so that's all going to happen. Today is a kind of day off, uh, and then we're off to Sheffield tomorrow. Last night was great fun, actually. It was really good to get out on tour again um, yeah. and be started again. But um, So today is the day that we can organise. We're going to be away for five weeks. I've got to organise all the clothes and, you know, wow. the, the stuff that I'm taking with me and five, the coffee. Five weeks. How, what was the yeah, longest? The, what was the longest tour you did? Do you think? Oh, we, we've been out for a, a couple of months, two and a half months before, but this is the longest one we've done in a while. Yeah, you know, because of the pandemic, we've been unable to do anything really other than. A few, and when this album came out last year, Endless Arcade, we um we did like four or five shows around the release, but that was all we could do because of uh, 
the situation, you know. So this, so we, now we can actually get out there and properly tour the album a year later than we should have done, but at least we're getting to do it, you know. Do you have a bit of like a, a like a personal journey when when you're when you're going away for over a couple of weeks? I mean, where it'll be maybe the first week or two go, you know, quickly or slowly, and then you kind of get into a rhythm. Is is there a kind of yeah, no, for sure you do. Then? Yeah, you do. Actually, it's really, I mean, I really enjoy it. You know, you, you do get into that kind of rhythm and the routine of, of, of you know, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, you know, sound checking, performance, yeah. back to the hotel, maybe go for a, a drink somewhere or whatever, then, you know, mm-hmm. up the next morning, breakfast, yeah. drive to the next venue. But, but you know, um, um, I, I do enjoy it, you know, and you're getting to, you know, um, visit interesting places. You know, we, we're going all over the UK and Europe on this tour, so we'll be in lots of nice cities. So I think mm-hmm. now... I like to maybe try and get out and explore a little bit, you know. For example, um, uh, when we're in London, I want to go and see the, um, oh, no, I've forgotten his name. Uh, he, um, he builds these autonom- automatons, um, uh, these, sorry, I think it's called Novelty Devices is the the place. Um, and he's got all these amazing machines. Uh, that he, Tim, Tim, oh, I've forgotten his second name, it's a bit early. I, yeah, I wish yeah. I remember. But anyway, so I want to go and visit that. He has a, a, a you know, a, a sort of shop where the, these machines are on display. And I want right. to go and have a look at that this time. So that's so I sometimes try to write in little things in my diary that I'm going to try and do. So, if I could give you yeah, a I mean, tip, really, there, there's a place in Rotherhigh, which is just right. uh, just south of the river um, on, on sort of one of the overground lines. So, you know, sort of central London, basically, still in zone one. Yeah. But just, just south of the river. And... Uh, it's the Brunel Museum, and it's less of a museum oh, yeah. than a sort of cavernous place. Have you heard of it? I, I, do you know what? I haven't actually, but that that's that sounds like something that I would love to go and see. You the know? thing that really captured our imagination was the this was the sort of uh, the, the, one of the first sort of trailblazers people to sort of dig beneath uh, a river for a tunnel, and 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 the kind of method that he used is what a worm does, which is kind of yeah. go down and uses its waste excrement and yeah. kind of use that as a supporting you know a supporting barrel to to carry on going through so that's what yeah, they did incredible. building beneath the thames i love that. yes yeah, amazing yeah i love that kind of stuff so you know yeah, that, so that, that should definitely have a see if i can get go and see that as well <laughs> but, um, but no you do you do get into a routine and it's uh, and you also uh, i think there's a thing that i really enjoy you know so last night you know it was really a lot of fun but you're kind of still really thinking about what you're doing there are certain songs where you're kind of you, you know you're kind of trying to anticipate what the next chord is because sometimes you're kind of not quite sure you know or what the next line is but you what? get um after three or four days on the road you start you get to this point where um you know um muscle memory kicks in mm-hmm. and um you can be sort of so you you know you're just really not thinking about the performance part of it at all and you can really I don't know. I sometimes find myself looking around the venue, and I'll look up and think to myself, "That's a really unusual light fitting over there." While I'm singing and performing, you know, because you can get which, I, and I really like when you get to that that that, that stage because you, you usually means that you're playing really well, you know. What so do they call it? Do they call it uh, hand head or mind head mind hand when you're sort of looking at your hand and you're like, "I've done this a hundred times, but." For some yeah. reason, it looks different or it feels different. Yeah, it it, sure, it does, and it, but it likes at the start of a tour. You kind of you there's still a bit of confusion there. You sometimes think, well, what where do I go next? You all you <laughs> tend to always get there, you know. But 
Yeah, you can yeah. you find yourself looking at your hands and thinking, okay, where, where is that going now? Oh, yeah, there it yeah, is. And your yeah. fingers will just go to the court. So, but anyway, that's it's all good. You know, it's all really Brilliant. good fun. It's just great to be able to you know be out touring again. Brilliant. And this is the podcast about jobs that the bands yeah. do. You know, a, a lot of the a lot of the groups I speak to uh, in that period of you know they've done a couple of tours. They've they maybe got an agent or you know they've started touring more regularly, and it's that yeah. sort of that tipping point of. Uh, you know where the where the where the music sort of overtakes the other work. You know where that would be. Yeah, sure. Know, um, yeah, a paye yeah. sort of job. Um, yeah. Obviously, yeah. I'm never going to waste up. You know, an opportunity to to interview. You know, you or you know bands who've been going a long time. And and I think what yeah. I've real what I've realised is that you know, it, it, or at least what I've gleaned is that it, it never just gets to a point where it's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it, it, there's there's always kind of new work. There's always something new. There's always a kind of new way to look at um, what you're doing, you know? Yeah, sure. Is that true? Um, yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, in terms of being creative musically or what you what you do or like a regular like a, re like a regular you know like this we play music and 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 we and we can we can you know that's our job now and that's what oh we yeah do and yeah that's that, the primary yeah. focus sure yeah there comes a moment i don't think you we you know you really even notice it but then you wake up one day and you think well actually this is what i do for a living this okay i can't say this is my job you know um although you know it doesn't feel like a job um um, you know, um, we're, we're, so in, we're so ingrained as, as an early age. It's like a job is something that you know you sort you sort of you shouldn't, you shouldn't enjoy. You should be a slog. And of course, yeah. lots of people really do enjoy their jobs, and there's lots of interesting things that that, that people do. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think it's people say to me, "Well, you know, what are your hobbies outside of the? Are your interests outside of the band?" And I, I always, when I think about it, I would say, "Well, I like guitars, you know, and I like buying records." And that, you know, and I like listening to so all my hobbies and are things that I outside of things I enjoy outside of being in the band are musical things, you know, things that are related to being in a band. Mm -hmm. So it is a dream job in that sense. Um, and it doesn't feel like a job, although it is a job, you know, you are you're away from home for a, for large periods of time. Uh, you know, it's there is work involved in rehearsal and you know, memorizing things, and you know, um, there's you know, so it is work. But um, but like I say, there's, you, we derive a great deal of pleasure from the work that we do, so it's great. Mm. I mean, I suppose in the way this what you're doing, you're doing podcasting, and that you know this this is kind of like your job in a way too. I suppose you know, do you know what I mean? Totally. And, and I'm sure you enjoy it. You know, you you know, you talking to people and I yeah. don't know whatever you know. It's um so it's, yeah, it's great to do something that you enjoy. You know, and um and yeah, um, what, but I mean what? I've had. Sorry, yeah, I've had I've had various jobs in the past, but nothing. Um, because I think when the, we the band uh, had some success when we were pretty young. I mean, the, I started touring actually when I was um, about twenty-one. I, you know, which maybe isn't that young these days, but you know, in terms of bands. But um, I I asked. I, I was working at the YMCA in Belsill, and I had. Uh, I think my dole money was going to get stopped and I had to, you know, you had to, you know, I can't remember what the scheme was called, but you had to sort of go and pick one of these jobs. So I ended up working with the YMCA uh, and the, and it was, it was interesting. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't a Christian. I was just that, you know, they, um, they had the sort of community workers, a group of community workers there and I was there. So 
working with the people with the learning disabilities and and um, and, and I mean really all sorts of things outreach things uh, for working with elderly people in the community and um, jobs that I probably wasn't even qualified for you know going into old people's homes and um, making sure that they you know maybe they're like a dodgy sort of plug and so you know or you know wall outlet plug socket whatever and you know fixing that kind of, you know fixing those kind of things for people probably I mean, I wasn't an electrician, so I wasn't qualified to do that. But it's all just kind of random sort of stuff like that. But at the same time, uh, it allowed me to go and, you know, play with the bands. And I went on tour at, tw- at the age of 21 with the Pastels. Um, that was the first sort of touring experience I had. And then after that, I didn't really work any jobs other than, you know, being in the band because Teenage Fan Club happened very sh- soon after that. You were playing guitar in the pastels or, or, or help, I, helping What them. happened was I, I played bass. Uh, they were touring their Up For A Bit album and Martin, who played bass, uh, had actually couldn't do the tour because he had to work, you know. Um, he had a job. Um, and so Stephen called me and asked me to, if I could step in, uh, yeah. uh, you know, in place of him for the tour, and I did. And it was great fun. We toured um, all over Europe. Uh, and right. it was the first first time I toured anywhere at all. Actually, did you do? Do you feel like you did? You, you, I mean, did you learn a lot on that tour about how to kind of, you know, do it well and and sort of be organised and you know have fun, but do it in that sense where you're like, you know, you're looking after yourselves and you're making sure that it's sure. Going yeah, to I mean, plan. I learned to. Uh, Certainly, learned to have fun. I was twenty-one, so you know, it was, it was, um, it was, you know, I guess when you're young, it's pretty easy um, doing that kind of thing. You, mm. you know, you're, you're pretty happy to rough it or whatever, you know. But it, I mean, it was actually it wasn't like that. We had, you know, we always had some, somewhere to stay. You know, there was always accommodation and and touring in Europe too. That was the amazing thing. You show up at venues in, in mainland Europe or whatever, and they're you know going for the sound check, and there'll be like you know coffee. And really nice sandwiches, and which is the kind of thing you never, certainly in the past, you wouldn't get in the UK. I mean, it's kind of changed now, but um, but you know there would always be food, and um, so it was a great experience. And plus, we were getting to you know visit these amazing places that I'd never seen before, uh, Berlin and you know Paris, and just incredible. You know, um, I, I hadn't really been out of the UK at all before that. So in Amsterdam, that was amazing. I remember walking into the Melkweg. The Milky Way, that was the first show we did in, in the Netherlands, the first show I'd played in the Netherlands. And we walk in there, I remember walk through the main entrance and there's this guy, and he sort of looks a bit like Lawrence of Arabia, you know, with the sort of, you know, the, you know, the Arab sort of dress, or whatever traditional dress. And he did a really big, big, sort of long, thick beard. And he had a coat hanger on his head, you know, and he was kind of just nicking about there, a bit stoned or whatever, you know, and that was, that was wow. Here we go, Amsterdam. Um, but but it was great fun, really, really good fun. Stephen Pastel strikes me as someone who's, you know, taken their interest and kind of really, you know, made it their their job. Was there? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. you know, there's BMX Bandits. There was lots of other bands that you know you you were in and around, and you know, it seemed like a really nice friend group in Bell's Hill and and, and yeah. Glasgow. Yeah. Do you, do you think you were you were sort of um, there was that kind of um, mentality or that enjoyment of trying to make you, you know your art, trying to make your music, you know the, yeah, main, think the it, main thing. Yeah, de- absolutely. That was the, the the main objective. It wasn't about you know you would like to be successful. You'd like people to hear your music, but it was more about 
making the music that that was what was the important thing. I think an amazing thing, and I, you know, I know this is about work and jobs, uh, is the um, and I think this is uh, is great. Is that Stephen Pastel? You know, he's a qualified librarian. That's what he did in, in the early days of the Pastels. You know, um, and he's gone on. You know, and the pastels are obviously still going. They're not. They don't uh, put music as often as they did in the past, but they still do. But Stephen now has monorail records, and I, and I think that librarian's the perfect person to sort of run a record shop <laughs> because it's all about cataloging and you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, has there been anything so that, that you you'd want to do? You know, is there any any kind of interest that you'd you'd want to study or or have done at some point over the last? Uh, well, you know, I suppose. Um, Things that I've done again, they're kind of music-related things, and but they're sort of been hobbies that are, are, are sort of hobbies that you could potentially turn into, uh, you know, something that you can uh, earn a living from. I got into um, because I couldn't afford um, high-end mic preamps, although I really like high-end mic preamps and microphones. I got into this sort of DIY, <coughs> pardon me, um, community, or I've, I've had some interest in that, and I built. Um, so there are these forums online where people have done things like they've reversed engineered the bus compressor on an SSL desk, um, which is kind of revered, a revered legendary compressor that, um, you know, people say it's the glue that makes things sound like a record. So I found this, this website and, I, you know, I hadn't really done any electronics at all before this. But um, these people were making PCBs. Rever they reverse engineered the compressor, and you could buy PCBs from them. And then you would have to go and source all of the parts. But they have a thing called the bomb, right, which is the bill of materials. And they would have a list of those. And then so you would go to these um, uh, electronic wholesalers, uh, buy all the components, and then you would solder them all together. And then they also they, they would have links to places where you could buy you know the, the case to, to house the, the you know the uh, your compressor so I got into that and I built um, two SSL bus compressors uh, and I gave one of them actually um, to chemical underground chem 19 the studio um, chemical underground studio and um, Paul Savage uses that I still I think to this day to on records um, so I got into that and I was thinking yeah and so and you, you know you can get into building effects pedals and all sorts of stuff and I, at one point I thought well that, that could be good fun doing that but um but um so anyway I, yeah I've got that's a, a thing I got interested in I suppose I could have potentially turned that into a job but I didn't <laughs> I mean you you, you sort of self-produced quite a lot of records at this point is, is yeah. production and like engineering I mean obviously engineering sure. that, that side of it you know what you just said about yeah done a bit of that but I've made that you know um, produced a few albums uh, it's something I enjoy working with other people um, uh, I guess because I have got some experience in, in working in the studio in terms of well I suppose uh, predominantly you know recording in, in, its, in the very basic sense of you know choosing a good microphone to go with an amplifier and getting a good signal path but then also, I mean, I tend to think that the bands have the best ideas. You know, I, I think, you know, I don't, I'm not really, I don't, I'm not really into the idea of a producer coming in and deconstructing a song and, you know, rebuilding it and saying, oh, yeah, you need to have a chorus there, you need to have a verse there. I think um, for writers, whatever, if they come up with an idea and they like the way it sounds and, or whatever, and they like the structure, then it's right, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but it's it's lots of fun. It's great fun working with creative people, and uh, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, when you don't have to sort of like come up with any lyrics or melodic ideas, and you can just kind of help them 
get a good performance or whatever. That's a lot, it's a lot of fun. There's a bit of a, a debate now and, you know, I don't really buy into it. I don't really care, but there's that debate, you know, Noel Gallagher is sort of pointing fingers and saying, if you're co-writing, then you're not really an artist. And uh, I, I know, yeah, Dave, Sorry. Yeah. Well, that, that that's you know, uh, Brian Wilson and Tony Asher um, wrote "God Only Knows." I think that, that ain't a bad uh, collaboration there. <laughs> no, absolutely not. If it's a good record, it's a good record. Yeah, totally. It doesn't matter. I mean, uh, I, you know, it's uh, you know, uh, you do. I mean, I remember uh, being at the Ivor Novellos one year, and I think James Blunt, who I've, I've known some people who work with James Blunt, he's meant to be a really good guy actually, but. Um, uh, he there was a I think it was for the oh God what's the big hit that he had of course you're beautiful yeah. that exactly that one yeah and I think there were four or five writers on that but you know right. it was successful and people like it so I mean I, I, I'm not going to knock anyone in terms of I, I, certainly not any other musicians you know it's like um, it's hard enough you know uh, without but, a fellow musician slagging you off you know yeah, so um, yeah. but I don't I, you know I don't you know I think uh, yeah whatever. If two people write a song, if five people write a song, it doesn't really matter, does it? You know. No, I think that idea of of collaboration and not having like a like a really set in stone lineup seems to make a lot of sense in the kind of it, it, it seems to make a lot of sense now when you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, well, it's an interesting thing actually to collaborate because it's funny because you know, I, you know, I suppose Noel Gallagher writes on his own. Ed Sheeran writes with a team of people. I tend to write my own, but I've written with other people in the past, you know, and it's actually. I mean, I can like the idea of doing that, you know, yeah. two people sort of knocking their heads together to try and come up with an idea. I've done that a few times myself and Eros Child, who plays with the uh, Teenage Fan Club now as well. He, We we had an album, uh, we had a band called Johnny and we made an album together and we, you know, quite a few of the songs on there were written collaboratively. We would just sit down. Uh, I think he, Eros was up in Glasgow staying with me and we I just sat down with the guitar. He was at the piano and we just kind of bashed out a lyric and, you know, um, it was yeah, it was really good fun because I think sometimes you, you can get writer's block working on your own. You mm-hmm. sometimes find it difficult to get a lyrical idea that will go with the musical idea that you have. So having someone there who might say, why don't you try that? Um, it's not a bad thing. And in fact, I really, we were talking about this last night. We were um, talking about the Get Back movie, the, the Beatles thing, which is sensationally good. Yeah. But there's a part, um, a point, and I can't re- even remember the song, but they're working on something and Paul McCartney's working out some lyric ideas. Uh, and Mal Evans is sort of chipping in, you know, yeah. uh, and maybe Ringo's chipping in an idea. And, you know, he's not precious about it. He's like, oh, yeah, that's that's good, yeah. And, you know, he's kind of using their suggestions uh, in the lyric. I think it's brilliant. It's great that he's sort of not precious or uptight about it. You know, he's not saying, this is my song, and therefore I've got to write every part of it. And that, You know, mm-hmm. they're collaborative. They're being collaborative. They are, they're musically collaborative too. It's brilliant. It's great to see. In fact, that, for me, that's the, the best thing about making music. I, it's, I love, I really enjoy writing songs. You know, it's, it, it, and it, and it's difficult to write songs, you know, to get something that you're happy with that you think is sort of cohesive or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you take that song and start working out with a band or, you know, or with Teenage Fan Club, with the band, um, that's where I, my favourite part of it. Because we, I think maybe in the past when I was younger, I might have uh, been a bit more directorial. You know, I might think, of, oh, I've got all this idea in my head and how it should, you know, how this song should, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how, how we should, what the arrangement should be. But mm-hmm. now I like to just take in the song and just, I'll play the song and everyone will just play what they feel fits and that usually works best yeah 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of course, Teenage Fan Club has kind of been... Uh, you know, uh, you know, all, all, you know, all of you have been sort of songwriters over the years. At, at points, it, it, you yeah. Know, from what I've read, um, you know, did you have much pressure as sort of being sort of labelled the front person or the kind of the singer? And have you? Oh well, yeah. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think I, you know, I, you know, I, I play guitar and I singing a lot of the songs, and so that I, I kind of somehow ended up standing in the middle there, mm. you know, and I ended up. You know, not that we. I'm sort of always talking between songs, but I'd normally be the person that would communicate with the audience, and and I, I kind of just fell into that role. But we are, we are absolutely, you know, democratic in the in the way that we were as you know as as much as possible. I think that yeah. in the way that we, the you know, we kind of try to share everything. You know, it's it is a band of equals in that in that sense. I think that's why. It, and we've never really had ego issues issues at all. You know, we all go on pretty well. I don't think we would do it if it was, you know, that's not our style at all. Mm-hmm. You know, you always hear stories about um, Mick Jagger and Keith Richard, uh, Richards being, you know, the, each other's throats, and we wouldn't function at all well in, in that kind of scenario. We um, we like a, kind of to have a kind of harmonious state, you know, um, so there are, there's, there's, you know, it's, all, it's always pretty easy. You know, and uh, but that that's just the way that the, that this group of individuals uh, works. Um, yeah. You know, another you know, other people will work differently, but this is to, you know works for us. It's different for bands now trying to be on the road all the time. You know, forget about COVID mm. before, before COVID. You know, it, because you know, support fees have just stayed at fifty quid seemingly for the last yeah. fifty years. Yeah, um, yeah, and, for sure. And it, and it seems a lot different and just a, a totally kind of. You know, if you if you want if you've got a record and you've got an independent label behind you, and then you you know you've got you're lucky enough to meet some people and make some friends in booking agents or other bands that can take you on tour. Even then, yes. making that kind of uh, that kind of snakes and ladders up to kind of making playing music, you're <laughs> you're kind of more or less full time thing. It's so different. Um, it's re- yeah, really difficult. I tell you what, for young bands especially, because what you, you you know, it's difficult. Well, no one sells records anymore. This you know, other than a very small group of people, Ed Sheeran, you know, people like that, mm. which is fine. But um, but you know, um, so you need money to make records, okay? Because you have to get a studio. You can't. You can only do so much at home. You need to get into a studio. It's going to cost you a few grand doing that. But then you, you know, you, you put that record out, and you kind of the, the only place to make any money is from touring you know um but the problem you have there is that people have to get time off work so trying to coordinate that with four or five people is really difficult you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um plus when you tour you know the fees are okay you know and, it's, and it, when you get to a certain level you can do it reasonably well but if you're a kind of new band your fees won't be that great so you've got to factor in accommodation you know a van you know you've got a tour manager because you need someone to do all of that other stuff for you 
you know, um, you know, fuel now is going to be an absolute nightmare for people getting around the country because it's going to be really expensive. But then, like I said, getting time off work and coordinating that is really difficult. So it's just getting harder and harder. And then the, the area, another area you can make some money, um, where you can make some money is merchandise, you know. So that's become a bigger thing. And there's more of a thing where, you you know, people will come off stage and then, you know, you have the performance there, but then you'll go and you'll meet, stand for an hour at the merch table and talk to people. And that's just what you have to do now yeah. uh, to sort of make the tour work, you know. Um, Is there an easy solution with the, with the, cause, cause you, cause independent venues are, are struggling and presumably yeah. promoters are also kind of going down with that a little bit. So just yeah. a- asking those, asking for 200 instead of 50, that, yeah. might, that it, seems like not even really sort of, you would, you would think, yeah, you would think so, but promoters are, are really up against it too, especially, uh, you know, post-pandemic or whatever, you know. I mean, it is amazing, though, that people are still coming out to shows, though, you know, it's, and that is the, it's the, the public who are making it still work, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think people are conscious that because tickets are a bit more expensive now, merch is more expensive um, and probably more expensive than it should be. But the, the reason for that is that it's really just people trying to make their tour work, you know. You just yeah. need to make a bit of extra money somewhere. And people are, through the generosity of people being prepared to accept that and spend a bit more money in the ticket and buy a bit of merch when they're at the show is, is why it still kind of works, you know. Um, if the streaming thing can be fixed, you know, if we if people are sort of pay, paid... Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, more in terms of the, the for for each stream or whatever that might help a bit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. but other, but beyond that, it's just I think we're just in a situation where it's just difficult, you know. Yeah, yeah. Are there any moments in your career? Uh, your career? Would you call it your career? Um, I, I I don't think about it as a career, but I suppose it is. It's been thirty some years now, so it's it's all I've done, you know. And it's um, I suppose it is a job, you know. Um, that's what I've got on my passport, musician. So, um, so I suppose it is a career. <laughs> but yeah, are there any moments in that time that really stick out for you? Like any any kind of stories or, or days or scenarios where I mean, yeah, sorry, no, 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 no. You you go. You know, when, I was just about to say when when you kind of realised, you know, this is it, you know this is it. Things have you know there has been that shift. Which, I mean, lots of different moments. I suppose we've been lucky in that we've gotten to. For me, highlights have been um, being around the, a couple of phenomena. Really, we were we toured with Nirvana on the European leg of the Nevermind tour, and it was amazing sort of witnessing that. You know, because you kind of really sensed that it was something special, um, and they were great. You know, and they're really nice people. And it was at, at the very start of their fame. You know, and we sort of got to know them pretty well, um, and that was exciting to to witness that and sort of be. Like I said, we were on the periphery of it, um, but we were still there, you know. And then also uh, we toured with Radiohead in America on the OK Computer Tour. We were playing pretty small theatres. Oh, and wow. again, that was great. And that, that because that album was, a, a you know, a real phenomena for them as well, I think. You know, that yeah. was one that took them up onto a different level. And again, you know, the, the experience of spending time with them as people, because again, they're really good guys. And, their whole thing was really cool. Um, that was great fun. Um, but really, I, I, and other than that, you know, meeting musicians around the world, meeting people, going to Japan, you know, going to Australia, 
visiting, you know, all of these different places that I probably there's a fair chance I would never have um, had the opportunity to go to. That's all been amazing. So we've been lucky in that sense. It's great. It's been and and I think, but ultimately, getting to do as your job the thing that you really enjoy, you know, and uh, that's that, that's the best thing about it. Nirvana and Radiohead, are, you know, two brilliant examples of bands who have just been themselves the whole time yeah. through their records. Yeah. As a journalist, you know, I've always loved reading, you know, music magazines and and there's just always, maybe this is a bit cynical, but it, it, it seems that there, there are tropes, there are those classic tropes where, you know, bands will start off being completely themselves. And then at some point you kind of glean that maybe they're kind of appeasing people around them. You know, maybe they're appeasing their yeah. fans, maybe it's their label, <laughs> maybe it's, Maybe it's they. They think they're doing the. You know, of course, you probably think yeah, they're doing funny, the right thing all the time. Yeah, it's funny because I always think it should work the other way around. I mean, and it did for me because uh, I think when you're young, you know, no one, no one, real, no musician or artist that I really formed. You know, you're initially you're the sum of your influences. You know, mm-hmm. there are things that you like. So when I was young, I liked Sonic Youth and I liked Exile and Main Street and whatever, yeah. and uh, I liked Love. You know, and so the, the music that I was making was informed by those things, and more directly than the um, than the, or or very directly in a way. You know, I would take the kind of shape and form of Sonic Youth and try and you know marry that to sort of melody melodies that were like the Arthur Arthur Lee's melodies or something like that. You know, and so everyone does that initially, and then. After a, a while, you sort of start to form your own sound. You know, you have certain things that you do as a group of people, you know, certain shapes, structures, you know, um, keys, whatever, you know, lyrical ideas. And then after a certain amount of time, you sort of develop your own sort of sound. And that's the thing that's um, um, that is probably most appealing to people in a way, idiosyncratic, the idiosyncratic nature of that. Someone like Pixies or whatever. I mean, they're a pretty idiosyncratic band and very influential band, you know. But they, they kind of arrived at that soon because Charles or Black Francis, or whatever, had a certain way of writing songs and mm-hmm. Kim stylistically the certain way of playing bass. And then the, the combination of their, vo- their their voices created mm-hmm. something too. So, um, so but that's what makes them attractive to people, you know, the, the, the idiosyncratic thing. Yeah, it's almost like a stubbornness. Yeah, I think, and I think if you try to emulate and copy people, then people can see through that, and and it's yeah. and it's and it's not you really, you know. So it's um, yeah. so it's 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 never quite as good, you know, the sort of pastiche yeah. of uh, another artist, and it can't be satisfying either. I mean, I know some people like to write that way, um, in in a plagiaristic way, um, that they might take a, an element of one song and an element from another song blend those together and come up with their own thing but I, I, I you know I would never intentionally do that I'm sure I've lifted ideas from other people um I mean I can give you an example of that actually there's a song of ours called everything flows yeah uh and I remember I you know I wrote that a long time ago 30 some years ago and then I remember you know whatever one day listening to glass onion and hearing the line, you know, the place where everything flows. And I thought, oh, right, I lifted that from there. I'd, no, I was, I, I did it subconsciously. I had no idea that I'd done that. But, um, but you know, but you, so that's fine. But the idea of going and thinking, oh, I'll take that verse and I'll, I'll take that chorus from this other song and put those together, that to me would be really unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. 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 
Norman, thanks so much for being up for this. Oh, uh, no problem at all. Love no the chat. I love Yeah, that. no, no worries. I'll, I'll, I'll go off and organise my coffee. I think I still need some more at the moment. But, um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Great. I left the light on. Sounds brilliant. And Oh, thanks. We, we played it last night, actually, for the first time. And uh, it was, yeah, it was good, good fun playing it, you know. What's it like um, getting behind the keys? Well, you know, I didn't do that. Um, Eros is playing keys and I just, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I went out and stuck to the acoustic guitar. Uh, and then we got a friend, Stuart Kidd, to come on and played a Mellotron. We've got a Mellotron sort of thing. So he played Mellotron strings. And our other friend, John McCusker, who actually played the string part on the recording, he was in Glasgow too. And he came on stage with us too. So there were seven yeah. of us on stage. I think that's the most people that we've had on stage at any one time. <laughs> breaking new ground <laughs> brilliant thank you so much and have a have a great tour thanks it was nice chatting with you, you. um you too. all the best Cheers. thank you mate Bye-bye. see you so there was norman blake in a wholly unedited episode of 101 part-time jobs you can catch teenage fan club on tour for the rest of the month head to teenagefanclub.com to find all those dates see you later this week with an episode with cardiff's buzzard 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 see you then I've been working all day for me mate on the side Running around like a blue ass fly I've been working, yeah I've been working all day for me mate Every blink minute I've been on the go Up and down the ladder like a fiddler's elbow I've been working, yeah I've been working all day for me mate This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.